You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is, Do You Believe This? Do you believe this? Salary.com in 2018, they've done it almost every year. Um, They haven't done it this year. But they released uh, a hypothetical of what they thought a stay-at-home mom was actually entitled as a salary. They put all the jobs and all the setups of what they believe stay-at-home moms do, and they came out with this number. They believe that stay-at-home moms work on average 96 hours a week. For you men, or people who work, the normal work hour is 40 hours a week. And we're going to lay 56 hours of overtime on there for you moms. So in 2018, when they factored the hourly wage, they factored in the hours of work, the overtime, they believe that the median annual salary of a stay-at-home mom should be $162,581. Dollars. Amen. <laughs> checks, checks in the mail. And somehow, some way, in 2017, when salary.com did the same thing, they were down $5,000. So in 2018, stay-at-home moms got a $5,000 raise to $162,581. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, that the, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, my wife is a stay-at-home wife, mother as well, <laughs> she takes care of me too, <laughs> two kids, <laughs> I'm the bigger baby, but all the work that moms do, all the jobs that they juggle, all the things that they do, that the amount of time that you put in, you're deserved to make over $160,000. It's crazy. You deserve every treat and everything that's up on that table right now. Thank you all so much. And the title of my sermon, Do You Believe This? I, I want to talk about in John chapter 11. We're going to jump right in the middle of a story. It's a story of... I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to be the spoiler of it, but it's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, Jesus and his disciples are ministering at the beginning of John chapter 11, and Mary and Martha send word to Jesus and say, hey, our brother is sick, Lazarus, you need to come and take care of him. You need to come and see him. And Jesus says, okay, we'll we'll come. And then it says he waits two more days. And then it's a journey to get to Bethany where they are, which is about two miles, it says, outside of Jerusalem. And his disciples are saying, are we really going back near Jerusalem? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees have said that they will stone you if they find you. And Jesus says, oh, no, it's fine. We're good. I've already, I've already walked through a stoning before. They tried to do that before. We're good. And our good friend Doubting Thomas, if you see in in like verse 18 or 19, he says, well, let's go. We're all going to go die together. 
So they're making this journey to Bethany, and they show up on the outskirts of the town, and Martha hears that Jesus is on his way. And he takes off running. Mary stays at the house. And we'll start in verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, I want to talk with you today about interacting with Jesus. And this is a a real, true, painful interaction that we see that I think that we can glean from five or six scriptures of something that can help us in our day-to-day walk as we encounter things in our lives and how we can interact with Jesus who can help us in these moments. You see, Martha hears that Jesus is there. He runs, she runs to see him. And the first thing that she says out of her mouth is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If we're being honest today, we've probably said the same thing to God a time or two before. Encountering something in our lives, something that is detrimental to us, we've said the statement, Lord, if you had been here, this blank wouldn't have died. God, if you would have shown up in my marriage, my marriage wouldn't have died. God, if you would have shown up in this job, I wouldn't have got laid off or fired. God, if you would have shown up in this relationship, it wouldn't have ended. Painful story, a painful conversation that if we're being honest, we've probably had before. As the waves of life, as the rain and storms of life have come our way, like the storm that hit last night as the wind was blowing crazy and the rain was sideways and you couldn't see, and you stop and have this question of, Lord, where where were you in this situation when this happened? Or this happened, I I don't understand. We, looking at the scriptures, know the end of the story. We know that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So sometimes we just roll past this story because we're looking at the end result. But Mary and Martha are living in the reality of their brother being dead for over four days. Who had already sent a letter to Jesus. Who had already sent a prayer to Jesus. Come and save him. Come and heal him. And now she's here in the reality of the story, in the middle of the death, in the middle of the funeral. And he says, Jesus, where were you? If you were here, he wouldn't have died. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. We see the writer of Hebrews referencing this scripture again. He will not leave you or forsake you. Because as we read the story, 
in the beginning part of John chapter 11, Jesus is fully aware of what's going to happen. He even tells his disciples, Lazarus is asleep, we need to go and wake him. And they said, well, if he's sleeping, that should help him rest to get better from being sick. Jesus says, no, guys, I'm saying that he's dead. We're going to go and raise him. Jesus was already well aware of what was happening in the story. But to Martha and Mary's perspective, Jesus was nowhere to be found. He had no idea what was going on. Where were you? If you were here, they wouldn't have died. But we see in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, God is saying, the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. That even in the moments of where you're wondering, where is he? What's he doing? Does he even know? Does he even care about my situation? I want you to know that Jesus is fully aware of what's happening. He's got a full grasp of what's going on and what's happening in your life. And he's already moving behind the scenes to help you. Mary and Martha had no idea that Jesus had already talked to his disciples, already told his disciples that he was going to raise him from the dead. Martha runs up. Let's keep reading. Lord, if you'd have been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I just find myself in the position of Martha. I've been in that position before where something goes wrong in your life, where something doesn't line up with the word of God. And you start questioning God. Where, where are you? Like, what happened? With this whirlwind just hit our house and everything's in disarray. What just happened? But then Martha says, but I know, I know that, I know that God hears you and whatever God says, he'll do. And I read this in my own way. I read it in two different areas. I read her saying it two different ways. Although she's fully speaking in faith, I can also see an extent of her speaking sarcastically. Because I, in my own defense, am sarcasm king. Where there's a, a faith statement, but there's also a statement where sometimes we quote scriptures, but do we truly mean it? Do we truly mean when we're saying it? Well, I, I know that you heal. I know that you save. I saw you save so-and-so. I saw you take care of so-and-so, but it's probably not for me. It's probably, I'm probably not good enough. I'm probably, I probably did this too much or this not enough. And that we just quote off scriptures or we say things that might be true, but because there's no faith behind it, See, in Psalms 118, we've heard this scripture before. It says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord, that everything, that no matter what's coming against me, that I'm declaring the works of the Lord. We see Martha in this moment, in the pain, in the struggle, in the confusion of trying to understand what Jesus is doing, she makes the statement and declares the works of the Lord. She says, I know 
that God hears you. And I know whatever God says, I know whatever you say, God hears you and he'll do. The awesome thing is that Jesus responds. The next verse, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. That statement right there, that communication and dialogue between Martha and Jesus gives me so much hope that I can say and have this dialogue and conversation with Jesus and say what's truly in my heart. Martha's not holding back right there. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. It's on you that he's dead. We sent word to you. We did this. We did that. We did everything that we were supposed to do, and he still died. It's on you. But I know you and God got something going on, and you can fix this. Jesus isn't offended right here. Jesus isn't disgusted in the way that humanity is talking to him. Little Martha, do you know who I am? I am the God's son. (laughs) Literally, I am. (laughs) How dare you talk to me like that in front of my disciples? I love the interaction because that is the interaction that I've had before with God. Where are you? What are you doing? Is this real? Is this happening? Your scripture says this, 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 and this, and none of those are happening in my life. What are you doing? Maybe it's just me. Maybe that's, maybe when I talk with God in the shower and I'm frustrated, maybe that's just me. But Jesus responds in love. He responds in mercy. He responds in grace. But ultimately, he responds. Jesus didn't have to give any account. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do anything. But Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Because even in our frustration, even in our sin, even in our embarrassment, even in our issues, God still wants to talk to you. And thankfully, you can still hear. If we go all the way back to Genesis, Adam and Eve have sinned. They're the first ones who sinned. They've eaten the fruit. The snake is on the ground rolling in laughter. He says, I've won. I've already, it was so simple. Two people. He created two people, and I've already ruined God's plan. Perfect. Adam and Eve are sowing fig leaves as quick together as they can. They know they're on a tight deadline. God usually shows up at the cool of the day. Oh, there comes the breeze. God is coming. They're covering up, covering up, and they're hiding. But even though in the middle of their sin, in the middle of it all, it says they could hear God coming at the cool of the day, and they could hear God saying, Adam, Adam. I mean, I know we've played hide-and-seek before Adam, but this is, this is getting kind of out of control. Adam, Eve, oh, there y'all are. What are y'all doing? And in the middle of their sin, they have a dialogue with God. We're naked and we're ashamed. Who told you that you were naked or ashamed? 
in all of our conversations, I've never told you that you were naked. I've never taught you the word ashamed. Who told you that? It wasn't a condemnation of on Adam and Eve. It was a condemnation on whoever lying, sneaky devil was telling them false accusations. Who told you that you were naked or ashamed? It's never been the ass. It's never been an issue of us hearing God's voice when we sin. It's how we respond to God has always been the issue that God's been trying to correct. The identity that God placed on Adam and Eve at the very beginning was he says, you're made in the image of me. Whatever I do, you can do because we are one. I breathe life into you. That's who you are. And all of a sudden, when sin entered in, when there was embarrassment, when there was shame, when there was all of those things, man forgot how to talk to God. Well, I'm naked. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I'm hiding from you. God said, who told you how to do any of this? Who told you how to make clothes? Who told you how to hide? How do you even know that those are private parts for you to hide? Who told you any of that? Because that's not the identity that I gave you. It's why when we sin, it's why when we mess up, we should be still and know that he is God because at that moment is where he's looking for us. It's at that moment when he's speaking to us. It's at that moment he's there to help us and restore us. Martha, in her moment of pain, as she's talking with God, what's going on? What's happening? Jesus says, it's okay, I already have the answer. If you're quiet and you listen, here it is. Your brother will rise again. The writers of Psalms, three different verses, saying the same thing. Psalms 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion, full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Psalms 103.8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Psalms 116.5, gracious is the Lord and righteous, yes, our God is merciful. God is long-suffering. He's slow to anger. And abounding in mercy, abundant in mercy and truth. God is merciful. Over and over and over again, we see God not only tolerating our humanity, but being available to help us in our moments of weakness. Scripture says, Where we are weak, He is made strong. That he's willing and ready and he's, he's there. Slow to anger. He's not sitting on his throne with the, with the backhand raised. Oh, if you mess up one more time, you're getting the full wrath of the Father's backhand. Slow to anger, but abundant in mercy. If he's fasted anything, it's grace. If he's fast at giving anything, it's mercy. If he's fast at releasing anything, it's his love to help you in those situations. Jesus responds with the answer, your brother will rise again. Well, let's see how humanity answers. Let's see what Martha says after that. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Here's Martha's statement. 
I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. What? What? Wait, Martha. It's not at all what Jesus said. It's not. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha just starts making an excuse. Starts in her own rationale of what Jesus said. And saying, okay, well, he said this, so that must mean this. I've been guilty of that before. Your brother will rise again. Oh, okay, so you mean like in the resurrection, way down, pie in the sky, in the future, one day. We're all going to rise. I'm going to die, and then I'll rise too with my brother. Like, that, was, that was what she conceived in her mind of what the answer was. You see, I think a lot of people's prayers actually get answered. But because you're looking for another answer, you completely miss what Jesus did for you. Because we're praying, God, I need healing. God, I need salvation. God, I need this. God, I need that. And in that prayer, you already have the way that God's supposed to answer it. God, I, I need money. My, my bills are due tomorrow. I need money. But you know what? How he's going to answer it? I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to go buy me a scratch-off. Let me go over here. That's how he's going to do Buy that scratch-off. And while I'm in the middle of scratching off, my phone rings, and it's that job I've been waiting for. Well, I'm not going to answer it. This guy's going to solve it this way. Well, I didn't, didn't win the scratch-off. Well, God must not have answered my prayers. We're so focused on the plan A that we have that we think God is going to answer that sometimes we completely miss plan B through Z of how God is trying to make a way where there seems to be no way. And then all of a sudden, we now get this root of bitterness inside of us of, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. God doesn't care. God never shows up. God never does this. God never does that. I'm going to quit going to church. I'm going to quit doing this. He doesn't answer. But if you step back and let God be God, say, God, I, I, I want healing. You promised me healing in your Bible. I need healing in my body. Whatever it takes to get healed, if it's going to the doctor, if it's going to surgery, if it's taking this medication, if it's standing and believing, if it's getting laid hands on by this person, if it's this or that, whatever that looks like, God, I need financial assistance in my life. Whatever that looks like, whether you bring somebody to bring money to me, whether you bring me a new job, whether you give me a raise here, whether you, whatever that looks like, I'm not going to stay in my plan and miss the opportunity of what God's going to do. Your, your brother will rise again. And the way that she perceived it, the plan that she could only think of was, well, he'll rise in the resurrection. He's right. I mean, he's not wrong. God's, God's not wrong in there. I want to encourage you to take a step back when you pray those prayers and let God be God and look for every opportunity for God to answer it. Because a lot of times in the way that we think God's going to answer the prayers is nothing like the way that God truly answers it. But when you step back and you watch God move, you think, oh my goodness, your plan was, was way better than mine. So let's see God's plan. 
Martha heard what Jesus said, but interpreted it a completely way. And here's, here's Jesus bringing revelation the best way that he can. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is verse 25. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's not even close to the plan that Martha was thinking. Your brother will live again. In this moment, a frustration, she says, yeah, I know, I know, he'll, he'll rise again whenever the rapture happens in 2030, whenever that is. That's just me throwing a date out. It's not real. Don't. <laughs> Come before that, please, God. Jesus stands up there and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. As Tina was just saying, that that phrase, I am, is something that to us, we hear a lot of times. We see it printed on t-shirts. We put those verses on Facebook all the time. We put all those things. But when the, the Jewish ear heard that, it brought them back to a story of Moses In Genesis 3, 13 through 14, Moses is at the burning bush. Then Moses said to God, indeed, verse 13, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God, verse 14, said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So now all of a sudden, when Jesus makes these I am statements, he's not just throwing these, uh, these beautiful things of poetry out there for people to enjoy. When he makes this declaration of starting off with I am, it immediately brings the Jewish mind to God, to Yeshua, to Elohim. And he's connecting himself to who God is. Jesus says over and over again, whatever the Father tells me to do, I do. I don't do anything without him telling me to do that. And then he starts making these statements. You can read them throughout all of John. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am the light of this world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. And he makes one of those statements right here where he says, I am the resurrection. Now to Lazarus, yes, he is the resurrection that is needed because one of those phrases for resurrection in the Greek is a rising from the dead. But not only is he declaring himself as a resurrection to Lazarus, in that conversation he is telling Martha that he is her resurrection in that moment. In her moment of pain, in her moment of Misery in her, her moment of loss, in her moment of questioning, God, what are you doing? Because the definition of resurrection is not just rising from the dead. It's also a stand-up and recovery. Jesus is saying, I am your stand-up and I am your recovery. I am your stand-up and I am your recovery in this moment right now. In the moment that you need me the most, in the moment that you're questioning me the most, in the moment that you're having the trouble understanding the plan, Jesus is saying, I am your stand-up and I am your recovery. You might not be able to get up right now, but I am your stand-up and I am your recovery. 
I am your resurrection and your life. In the moments where you're questioning who God is, what is he doing, where is he at? You're questioning, he told me to do this last month, last year, and I don't know what that means. When you've prayed and you feel like your prayers are just hitting the, the ceiling and falling back down. Jesus is standing right there and he's saying, I am your stand-up and I am your recovery. If you can't stand up on your own, if you can't get through this on your own, if you can't overcome this on your own, I am your stand-up. I am your recovery to help you in this moment. Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. How can a righteous man keep getting up? How can a righteous man continually get up over and over and over again when a wicked man says he falls once and he falls into calamity? How is that possible? Is it because this other man is so much better? What's the difference between the righteous and the wicked? It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when Christ is in you, he becomes your resurrection. He is your stand-up and your recovery. That when you fall down, he's the one that pushes you up. I can't do this anymore. I can't go on anymore. I don't know how to heal from this. He says, Martha, let me be your stand-up and your recovery right now. Let me help you through this moment as you're trying to understand who God is, what God said, where God's at. He says, I'll be here. You stand up in your recovery. To Martha, in the middle of her being emotional, struggling with loss, Struggling to believe the promise. Jesus is exactly who she needs at that moment. If we read later on in chapter 11. Jesus is exactly who Lazarus needs at that moment. Lazarus is completely dead. He's got, he's, he's got no way to ask for help anymore. He's got no more vision. He's got no more future. He's got nothing. He's dead. Not only is he dead, he's past the point, according to the Jewish tradition, from being brought back to life. Four days, they said, whoa, don't roll that stone away. He stinks. It's not, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's disgusting. His nose and ears are probably falling off. We've got him wrapped up. We've just, we don't want to be anywhere near that guy. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. Jesus is the one who walks into the filth. Jesus is the one who walks into the stench. Jesus is the one who opens and unveils. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Because I am the resurrection and the life. Scholars believe in I like the way it sounds. That if Jesus would have just said, come forth, that every dead person in the ground would have come forth at that moment. So Jesus had to attach a name to it because God is so powerful. If he would have said, come forth, the entire graves in the world would have opened up. 
So Jesus had to be specific in the miracle that he was performing. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind away on how powerful our God is, on how miraculous our God is. Lazarus, come forth. Maybe you're in Martha's position and you're struggling through a loss, struggling to understand if God is who he says he is, if, if God's really true in your life, if, if the promises that I've talked about and different pastors and churches have talked about, is it truly for you? Maybe you're like Lazarus and you're dead and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Maybe there's just a part inside of you that has died. There's a dream, there's a vision. There's something that God spoke a long time ago that you've left by the wayside. And Jesus is here today to speak to both Martha's and to speak to both Lazarus. And he says, I am your stand-up and your recovery. I am the one who can bring life back to you. I'm the one that can help stand you up and go toward the future and the vision that God has for you. I'm here to present that the promises in me are yes and amen. He is your stand-up. He is your recovery today. And the last verse of John chapter 26, John eleven twenty six, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And Jesus poses this question to Martha as he poses this question to us. Do you believe this? Because that's what it boils down to. That's what Christianity is all about is do you Believe this. I can preach it all day. I can rah-rah encourage you all day. But there comes a point in time in every one of our lives where we have to start at salvation. Do we believe that Jesus is our Savior? Do we believe that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures? He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It starts with that. If you believe there was a man who was born of a virgin, brought down from heaven to earth, willingly gave up his life, willingly gave up being in heaven to be here, to live the life and to experience the pain and everything that we went through. In all ways he was tempted except he didn't sin. Experience the brutal beating and death that he endured to go down to a place where we should have gone for eternity to break that place wide open and be risen from the dead the same power that rose Christ from the dead do you believe that it dwells in you and now he's ascended and seated at the right hand of the father and he had to leave so that the gift of the father could come to us which is the Holy Spirit who now there's no, all, there's no longer a flesh man God walking around that we can go and follow, but there's a Holy Spirit who is inside of us to help us everywhere we go, God goes, because Christ is in us, the hope of glory that has been revealed. Can you believe that? And if you can believe that, then you start reading the scriptures and you start seeing these crazy things happening. Can you believe that the same day that Jesus took nails in his hands to take the beating and punishment of your sin was the same day that he took on stripes on his back for your healing. Can you believe in faith? Can you believe in healing? Can you believe in generosity? Can you believe 
in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Father, the gifts of Jesus, the fivefold ministry. Can you believe these things? Because when you believe them, anything is possible. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Mary comes, they have a moment together. Jesus says, all I need is somebody to believe. Roll the stone away. I'm the resurrection and the life. One of the greatest miracles, bringing someone who was dead back to life. Do you believe this? God is on your side today. In whatever is going on in your life, God is on your side today and speaking to you and wanting to speak through you. He wants to help you in whatever you're going through because he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Amen. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to love on you. He wants to, but he also wants to use you. And as you walk out that salvation with him, you will see that God will give opportunities for you to then stand in front of another Martha, for you to stand in front of a Lazarus, for you to stand in front of these people and help them like God has helped you. God wants to help you, but he also wants to help people through you. That's what the call of the church is. He is your stand-up and your recovery today. If you can't get up today, if you could barely get out of bed, if you struggle on Monday morning to get up and go to work, if it's a struggle in the whatever relationship you're in, if it's a struggle in whatever, he is, he says, your stand-up and your recovery. Do you believe that today? Let's stand up today. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're the one who made the statement. It wasn't humanity that said you were our resurrection. You were our life. You were the one, Jesus, that said, I am the resurrection and the life. And Father, there are people here today that I know need that revelation in their lives. That we need to know that you are our stand-up and you are our recovery. That as we're going through life and we're struggling here, we're trying to understand this there, we're trying to figure this out. We need you to be our recovery. We need you to help heal us, heal our hearts, heal our wounds, heal our souls, heal our, heal our spirits, Father. That the things of this life have come against us and attacked us and tried to do damage to us. They've tried to, but they haven't knocked us out, Father. I thank you for the people that are here, that they showed up today. They came to church today. No matter what's going on in their lives, they made the decision to come to church today. And with that decision here, Father, I ask you to bless them with the revelation that you are their resurrection and you are their life today. That you resurrect those dreams and those visions that have died off because of the things of life. You help them recover as they walk through understanding, God, where are you? God, what are you doing right now? Your scripture says this, but my life is showing this. How does that reconcile? How does that work? Father, be with your people today. Be their stand up in recovery. Father, bless your people. Thank you for this word today that it will go forth and it will bear fruit in their spirits, some 30, some 60, even 100 fold. Father, I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you that right now their body is the temple of the Most High God. 
that no sickness or disease can reside in that temple because by Jesus' stripes, their body is already healed in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that they right now are the head and not the tail. They are above and they're not beneath. They're blessed in the city and they're blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. Because they are your sons and daughters, they are entitled to the favor of God. And that favor surrounds them like a shield. And they have favor with you, God. And they have favor with every man and woman they come in contact with. And Father, I thank you that everyone here is the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill. We know the identity that God and Christ has put inside of us. And we will go out and we will tell people about their true identity and who Jesus is. You've helped us recover. You've helped us stand up. You've brought us back to life. So, Father, bring people across our path this week that we can speak recovery into their lives, that we can speak life into them, that we can speak resurrection into them. Use us in your kingdom, Father. Now, bless your people. Protect your people. Cause them to prosper in everything they do this week. And, Father, bless the moms. Let them rest and not work 96 hours every week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Happy Mother's Day. We love you. God bless. We'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.